Introducing Mortgage Matters. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about, time for Mortgage Matters. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Mortgage Matters. This wet, soggy first show of March. It helps with listenership. Yeah? I think we've got at least... Drives people inside into the airwaves. We've got two or three times our normal audience. When we don't have to to commit with things like... We don't have to compete with sunshine. (laughs) Yeah. Talk Actually, it's powerful. nice, you know. Maybe we'll have a miracle march. Maybe we'll have that lake will fill out there, Lopez. Let's hope so. I hope so. Uh, all right. So I've had high expectations of rain. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's been pretty well hyped up, right? Yeah, they're saying like 20 inches in parts of Cal- Northern California. Yeah, right. That's crazy. And then John John Lindsay's report, at least at one point, I don't know what it's currently revised to, but it was saying 4 to 12 inches here over the next week. Yeah, That's awesome. If it happens, but it seems like it showed up slow and it's kind of coming in. Let's not be a naysayer. Here. I mean, I'm just, <laughs> just saying. I've I feel like I've already had my um my rain hopes dashed. Let's just several stop several times this El Nino. Jim, don't yeah. worry. You have yeah. to remember, Jason is yes. the pessimist. We're the optimists. We're Dan and I are thinking the rain, the clouds were so heavy. Yeah, they just took forever to get here. Okay, now they have to dump all this water. No, I I want you guys to know <laughs> I did my part. I spent multiple. Did you wash days. your car yesterday? No, I weeded <laughs> like my whole lot. We we like did the weed whip. We pulled weeds. We had family weeding parties because it was already getting out of hand. Wow! So this extra rain should help those weeds just pop right back up. <laughs> what did you do? Did you like pay the boys? You know. A uh, dollar for, you know, they pull 100 weeds or something like that. You pay them like 10 bucks or something like that. No, uh, you know. I don't pay them for that kind of thing. Uh, okay. Nope. Right. No, we're. I'm a really old-fashioned house. <laughs> the reward is continuing to live with a roof over your house. Yeah, when I, was, I have food. when I was a kid, me and my brothers got together and created, you know, a union of sorts and went to my dad to lobby for... Uh, you know what's it called allowance where you mm. you know so he said sure what do you what do you guys think that you're worth and you know we sat down and figured you know 20 bucks a month seemed like a pretty good amount and so he agreed and so we we worked our tails off for that 20 bucks mm-hmm. and then we got the invoice <laughs> for the rent and then like part of the water and part of the power and part of the food Man, I owed like $117. <laughs> and then I only got paid 20 bucks a month to pay that thing back. So yeah, uh, we dropped out. the allowance thing quick. And uh, so we kind of keep that in my house, too. Everyone that lives there is expected to contribute. And then, um, you know, that's how it works. So nothing. <laughs> I paid them nothing to pull weeds. There it is. Probably took them to like In-N-Out or something, yeah. you know, some some other special... Uh, reward mm-hmm. so yeah i did my part my my <laughs> weeds are clear which means it'll rain like crazy and they'll all grow right back in yeah i'm looking forward to that Good. Fertile, fertile weed <laughs> ground 
Um, I missed you guys last week. Just giving him this look over here, like, yeah, okay. (laughs) How was the show last week? It's great. Yeah, great show. It was great. Yeah, (laughs) fantastic. (laughs) Well, good. Um, We have a guest joining us today. Um, Eric Frangi is going to come on and talk to us a little bit. He's a proprietor of Hague Water, Hague Quality Water. I think there's a quality up in there. Yeah. So, uh, he's and, interesting. We have him on. It's fun. He's a great guest for the he's radio. A great guest. Yeah. Very articulate, very knowledgeable. Uh, if you never thought it was possible to be passionate about water, pre- prepare to be wowed. This <laughs> dude's into water. And, uh, and of course, I can give him some testimonials too because I, uh, have, purchased from You're him and drinking the water been, <laughs> you've been waiting all week to say that didn't you did you have that one ready or did you just, yeah, just was, right yeah woo, just good one uh, so yeah we'll have eric on in a bit um and we have some interesting things to talk about with him and so we'll uh we'll do that in a little bit here um man yesterday i noticed that the old dow was getting back over the seventeen thousand mark was it yeah i didn't I don't remember that I logged in to see quite where it finished up. Huh. Yeah, it was a good week. I think we had a four-day winning streak in the in the stock market, which is, I, I believe it's the first of the year. <laughs> that's the first time probably this year that's happened. <laughs> probably quite a bit longer. <clears throat> yeah, the Dow closed up at 17.006. So that's up quite a bit. Yeah, I, I mean, it was hovering right around 16,000 for most of the beginning of the year. So it's up yeah. quite a bit. What that meant or what i saw was that money was moving out of bonds and back into stocks a little bit this week because we saw the <clears throat> we saw the 10-year treasury yield rise about 20 basis points yeah it's back to 1.88 and uh, i'll remind you though that's still significantly less than where it was when they decided to raise interest rates i think we were about 2.3 yeah as i recall and so this is still substantially less, and we've enjoyed a little bit of a kind of a refi boom, a mini refi boom from this little dip in interest rates. It's certainly um, got some people listening. I, I, I'm sure you you gave the call again last week to everybody, but with these low rates, increasing property values is a great time for people to get rid of their mortgage insurance or. Um, you know, get a lower interest rate or perhaps shorten, shorten their loan term. Um, and we've had people kind of heeding that call. We've definitely in our office, we've seen an increase in production. And there are also some metrics that we see tracking the industry applications that have shown that um, kind of a new bulge coming through thanks to these low rates. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I do <clears throat> reporting and things for our for our staff so they know what's coming. And looking at the loans that recently closed, you could see that we were a little heavier in purchase activity. It was about 60% purchase activity, and now it seems as if it's swung the other way. That's about 60% refinance. Who'd have guessed that in 2016, the majority of your pipeline would be refinance business? <laughs> yeah. In 2016, right after the feds made the first rate hike in nine years. Uh, you probably wouldn't have been able to script that, but hey, it's, it's how it's shaping up. So... Uh, won't harp on that for much time here, but just want to remind everybody that these rates are low, um, and we're seeing people that are able to shorten their loan term, reduce their payment, 
get rid of their mortgage insurance. Um, there's a variety of reasons you might come in and, and get a consult on whether or not it's time to do a refi. And we'd love to be able to help you with that. So if you need that help, call us. Um, my my, uh, my in-laws sold a, an investment property. They're old primary residents. <clears throat> they sold it a few months ago. Came into a big chunk of cash because of that. And this this week, I was talking to my father-in-law. He says, I don't know how to invest this money. I don't, you know, stocks are up and down, and I don't know what to do with it. I think I just want to put it all into my mortgage on my primary residence today and just pay it down and get into a shorter-term loan. Just, you know, if I don't know how to make money with it, I'm going to save myself money with that money. Or, yeah, or at least not put it into the, the game to be lost. Right, yeah. When I watch these things, like, you know, and this 2016 so far for me has undermined everything about the stock market, again, that I don't understand. I watch this. One day it's down 300 points. The next day it's up 300 points. Um, what did what happened yesterday that was so bad we forgot about that today? Um, and so it just there's this emotional tug of war that seems to happen every day there. Um, that it's it, the stock market. If, if we learn tomorrow that this thing was rigged, I don't think anybody would be surprised. <laughs> You'd go, Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That's, that's how that happened. Um, you know, and I'm not suggesting it is, but it definitely just seems like it goes up and down. Um, interesting idea though, to put your, all of your extra cash right into the, the, the crawl space of your home. Um, well, that's that's investing in something that's been appreciating at about five to ten percent a year. Sure, but I mean, <laughs> it would do that. Don't get me wrong. I'm a, I'm a big proponent for people buying homes if you don't own one. When you do, owning it with no mortgage, it, I, I can go either way on this, but it always it always trips me out a little bit because your house is going to go up or down in value regardless of your equity, right? I mean, it's just there's no the market makes no recognition of your equity position at all as that value fluctuates. So while it's important to own, hard to argue that you should take all the cash you have and pay your loan off. I get that, you know, and there's a very conservative side of me that does really like that idea. Um, but it, it's an interesting thing. Um, and there are financial planners that are listening right now that are cringing at that idea because they're salivating at all these opportunities and they, <laughs> talk about the income tax-free muni bonds and all these different things and um you know i don't know i you you've seen some of my investment picks dude i'm not <laughs> i have <laughs> i'm not the one to be handing out advice in your defense you've also had some winners that I've, i just didn't pull the trigger on. <laughs> I, and i'm gonna yeah and you know and perhaps maybe those are just should be called dumb luck anyway <laughs> um day trading certainly i don't we would not be um doing as well had we decided to start a day trading company sure. in 2007 um but yeah so anyways the, the one of the reasons that the dow has been picking up as well as the other indices um is that we've been seeing some more good news and obviously today's the the first um saturday of the month after the jobs report so this is when we like to go through all that number um there's there's also been quite a bit other 
things, especially this week, was kind of a chunky news week. Um, the Beige Book came out this week, as I'm sure you heard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you guys probably talked about the Beige Book at dinner. Do I need to actually bring up a picture of the actual Beige Book? It's beige. You it will not. Beige. Yeah, that's why it has such a boring name. Mm-hmm. They didn't even book. know what to call it. They called it the Beige Book. So, yeah. Anyway, home price indices came out. Construction spending numbers have come out. Uh, existing and pending home sales numbers have been out. Uh, there's an awful lot of um, good news lately that's been swirling around the economy. Um, and it's kind of hard to deny, though it seems that most people, including um, the folks that I've been talking to around town, are feeling angst and uncertainty and seeing the volatility and not quite sure what to make of it. Um, and of course, with this political season that we're in, I mean, that that I think is part of it for me. I got to imagine for the average person, if you own a, a TV or any sort of device capable of <laughs> logging into the media, the the future of this country seems like it's like up in the air right now with all the political junk happening. Um, so I think it's hard for people to really have confidence in it, but a lot of these metrics that we see in the economy are looking pretty good. Yeah, this is, I think we started the show back during the 2008 election cycle. So we kind of got a, a taste of how the economy reacts to that uncertainty back when we were first doing the show and we got to share that with you. And so we're seeing it again now. I mean, I guess to some extent four years ago, but more so this time because we know there's going to be a new person there regardless. <clears throat> and so that always, you, I think in general, you have that, that safety, that desire for safety when it comes to investing in an uncertain environment. We've been in uncertainty f- since we started this show for eight years, <clears throat> but this only perpetuates that a little bit longer right until the end of the year well and there's these interesting things going on around the world too i read a really interesting piece yesterday it was about the the relationship between bond yields around the world and um what do we have negative yields in japan yeah we've got they're, zero in germany yeah <laughs> and so and one of the things is that that's sort of still holding our bond yields artificially low and as we've seen kind of in spite of the feds attempting to sort of lift this um this rate into a more normal range uh it, it'll be interesting to sort of see how it all plays out Along with the beige book, I mean, the beige book come out this week. It's a measure of health um, for different districts of the U.S. Says that we've had modest gains in economic activity. So not robust, nothing to like probably, you know, go leaping and jumping and running down the hall about. But the fact is that we've got some gains. Um, San Francisco Fed President Williams, who's not a voting member this year, um, he's trying to drum up support within the Fed to keep raising rates this year in spite of kind of some of the turmoil and volatility that we've seen since their uh, inaugural rate hike there a few months back. So kind of interesting. I mean, you've got members of the Fed now that are saying, let's stay this course. I think most of the public has accepted that it's probably not until June or maybe September that we see another rate hike. And we're 
a lot of what I see says they're calling it the one and done. <laughs> that, that would might be the only rate hike we get in all of 2016. Um, but others are saying we're we're likely to see at least two, maybe three. So it's certainly it's not going to go down the way before it started. We thought maybe four, five, or six rate hikes. Yeah, it seemed like most economists are predicting three to four this year after the first one. The first one that happened yeah. in December. They were expecting three to four more, and now expectations have been lowered a little bit to, to one to two yep. this year. So, but there was this. This was obviously an issue at the last Fed press conference. Janet Yellen addressed this, and one of the questions was, "Would you consider going back to the lower interest rate um, policy?" And she was very clear that no, that going backward is not likely. Yeah, yeah. I saw, too, a little bit of that when she was before the banking committee mm -hmm. or financial services committee, maybe. She said, in terms of negative interest rates, has the Fed considered it or would they? And she said, oh, I mean, everything would be considered. However, it's extremely unlikely that we would have any policy moving towards more accommodate. Yeah, so. they're going forward. They just might. It, it seems now that we're just going to see a little slower pace than initially expected. And um, so, yeah, we we have a, yeah probably about 10 more minutes here before I want to take a break and bring in Eric. And so I'd like to talk a little bit about the jobs report. Um, I, I think some of the listeners here expect that we cover this topic in the first Saturday show of the month here. Um, and so, interestingly, uh, February shaped up to be a, a pretty good month in terms of the number of jobs created um, it, it beat expectations. It beat the ADP number that um, tends to sort of give us a good idea of what we should expect. Um, we created 242,000 jobs in February, um, and that's a lot of jobs to create. I mean, it's a, another, <clears throat> excuse me, it's another reading over 200,000. Mm -hmm. And I think really, um, that's probably what people should be looking for, hoping for, and expecting to see is, um, you know, because sometimes these numbers are hard to put in context. Uh, a couple months ago, we had what? We had a number that came in at 176,000 or something. You want to see the average be greater than 200,000 jobs a month. That would just be great. So any month that you exceed that in a single month, that's a good month. Um, with this jobs report, by the way, came revisions to the last couple months that um, are, are providing upward revision as well. Um, so it looks like there's a, a strong job market. And when you see these kind of gains, 242,000 jobs in a single month like that in February, by the way, could be a kind of a rainy, soggy month, that's... That's pretty awesome. That's a that's a good month. It it makes it hard to have that. Are we headed into the recession discussion again? Uh, and um, the unemployment rate, of course, is stayed at the four point nine percent. That's uh, it's a nice number. That's a good nice number still. And um, it's it's just looking pretty good. Did that you mention that a couple of those past months were revised higher? Yeah, upward so, revisions to prior months, and um, you know. It's so now over this winter season, which is typically a slow time, the last two years the num the economic numbers have been pretty terrible over this this period of time, and we've now seen with these revisions and with this latest month that we're 
averaging 228,000 jobs per month the last three months over a typically slow season. So that's good to see. We also saw um, a reading for, this was probably for fourth quarter GDP, um, but that was revised a little higher too. I think that came out last week. But it's showing, I mean, these aren't huge numbers. These aren't like, you know, terribly bullish numbers, but they're they're solid. They're they're good. They're growing. They're yeah, the right and direction. and still, I mean, one of the one of the numbers that came out this week, along with all these others, was about um, hourly wages had declined. So still not not a lot of strength there in the wage part. Um, to offset that, I'll give you another uh, little bit of good news. Um, a measure that includes people too discouraged to look for work or who are making do with part-time work because of the the status uh, of their employment sector, that, that metric has fallen 0.2% um, to 9.7%. So see that number sort of whittling down too. That's another one that I see that's going to have a, a pretty close relationship to uh, hourly earnings. Right? Yeah. I mean, if you're, if, if you saw that, piece where people are discouraged or taking part-time where they can't get full-time they're working below the their even desired hours level they're probably working below their desired income level as well yeah i think i mean that's that's really the last the last thing that needs to improve for employment really to have healed is is seeing people move up from their underemployment status, getting higher wages and things like that. And I feel like anecdotally here locally, I'm seeing it. I, I know we made a hire about three or four months ago, and it was tough to find applicants. There weren't a lot of people for something that was on several different sites, you know, is out there for as many eyeballs to see. We only got a few applications. Yeah, I've heard from other employers around town as well that they've got some jobs available and they're having trouble finding applicants. And, you know, the conversation was, is it a function of, of wage? Do you need to offer a higher wage in order to attract an applicant or a better applicant? And that was kind of what the thought was that, yeah, maybe we do need to do that. Yeah. So I think that we, it's funny <laughs> in my economic development committee, we were talking about that this week. It's like the slow tax. Um, the wages here are less too. And, I think one of the things is like because you have the the college just turning out this it's like your little spigot of recent grads with big brains. I mean, you know that when somebody comes out of Cal Poly, they're a pretty good bet. Um, and the employers around here seem to want to pay a little bit less because you're going to stay because, you know, you can go if you want to head for the city. Um, the, you know, in, in websites like Glassdoor will show you this. We know what the wages are for jobs and in slow employers are pretty quick to want to pass that slow discount right on to you is that you're, you're going to make less to make this work, but you get to live here in paradise. Um, and I, so I think those things here are a little bit harder to catch up to, um, the vacancies, you know, the wage growth. This is why I think one of the main reasons why slow has, such a disparity between property value and average income. I mean, it's it's a pretty tough place to be, and in the wages, I mean that that's the, the gist of it, right? Yeah. So, it's a it is a tough thing to do. Um, I was looking through this jobs report, hoping to find some other great nugget of something to tell you, um, and I'll tell you this. 
I didn't see any crazy bright spots about a sector exploding. Um, it just seemed like a good solid number in terms of headcount. Um, and, and I'll just, I'll remain cautiously optimistic that we catch up that next part in wages. Um, that's the one I'm looking forward to. Yeah. I, all will add to it here is that the, the areas that saw the most job gains were still hospitality, hospitality. It was a, it was a lot of, um, there was some retail bar and restaurants, um, and let's see yeah yeah retail retail and bars and restaurants were were some of the big gainers so we'd like to see more in some other areas some professional and business type services and things like that but jobs are being added so yeah can't complain too much well that's the upside right hey uh it was about I think seven or eight minutes ago, I saw the bright red light flash. If you would like to call and ask a question or share a comment on the air, you can give us a call here in the studio, 543-8830, 543-8830. We would love to hear from you. We The show's always better when you're participating. Um, you can ask your question live on the air or ask Jim, and he'll share it with us live on the air. Um, he's back in the chair, so he's ready to take your phone calls. I think right now we're going to slide on into a commercial break and when we come back we'll be visited by eric ferrangi with Haig quality water we'll be right back with more mortgage matters don't go anywhere keep it locked to mortgage matters on kvec news talk 920 to ask a question call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832 we'll be back in just a few minutes this is jason grody with central coast lending our loans are not trucked in from some big bank they're raised right here on the central coast no hormones no gmos no antibiotics Call today and get your gluten-free mortgage from a caring lender that knows you only accept the best for your family. Just call Central Coast Lending. You buy or refinance a home, just call 543 Loans. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018-39608. NMLS number 328-358. What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me. Just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. 
You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. Inflatable pool, full of dad's hot air. Well, I was three years old. Splashing everywhere And so began My love affair With water Alright everybody, welcome, welcome Thanks Jim for that uh, timely music bed for us uh, Every opportunity I can use this, I love that song We launch this uh, next segment here with Eric Ferrangi no stranger to the microphone here, but uh, welcome, welcome. I think it's been probably a year or so since you've been on the show, huh? Yeah, it seems like that. Thanks for having me back. There for- we go. Let's try that again. I'm back. <laughs> now it's official. People probably like barely heard you then, but hey. So yeah, you're you're in the business of water. So that that's why he played that water song. Okay, I get it now. Yeah, yeah. So... um. Let's see. I wanted to, you know, obviously there's quite a bit to talk about today. I wanted to go back to kind of um, have you start telling us a little bit about um, what we were talking about the other day. Was I, I reached out to you for some servicing on my Hague water system in my house. And um, then we just started talking because you're, you're into water. And it sounds like y- you were mentioning to me as though I would know about some issue of some well water and slow and um, that you've been doing some work and running around like crazy trying to make sure everybody's got safe water. And uh, I was like, all right, I had no idea. So let's let's do this on the radio. Tell us what's going on. Yeah, so back in the end of probably November, um, one of the homeowners near the airport and San Luis Obispo had uh, a tenant complain that their water smelled like gasoline. Interesting. So anybody with a YouTube account knows that if your water smells like gasoline, you try to set it on fire, right? Uh Uh-oh. Did it burn? Luckily not. Okay. (laughs) But, um, you know, it burned, and she didn't really know who to call. So she ended up calling the fire department. The fire department said, well, nothing's on fire, so let me put you out to Slow County Health. And Slow County Health then suggested she get her water tested. Now, as a private well owner, you know, all the homeowners that have a private well are responsible for their own testing, and there is no county, state, or federal oversight of their drinking water supplies. So there's no mandate that, so because, I, I mean, I don't live on a well currently, but I have, and I have a lot of friends that do, and obviously there are a lot of residents of the county. Um, I bet you probably test your water, like, in that initial... You know, drill the well, set it up, put on the pump, you know, oh, this water is good. And then what? Why would you test it again? Years and years later. So people probably don't, right? Yeah, a lot of people assume that the water was tested, especially when there's a real estate transaction. So a lot of people, you know, when you buy a property on a private well, there is a well water test that's being done. Most people don't realize that that test is to protect the bank to make sure that they're 
financing a property that has water on it. Yeah, I don't want to help you buy a house that proves to have a significant water issue because then you'll go, hey, dude, here's the keys. And now I'm trying to sell a house that's got no potable water. So we do care when it's transacted that there's a, you know, good, good potable water on site. Absolutely. But a lot of homeowners make the assumption that the water is tested for um, more levels of safety than it actually is being tested for. Okay. So that's really the the level of awareness we need to get out there. And that's what the Slow uh, County Health was uh, put together a flyer to help explain this to homeowners. So I'm going to try to share this information with your listeners. Um, but back to the, the original story, which was the homeowner, she called the fire department. They got uh, Slow County Health involved, and they suggested here's some testing you should do, and here's the cost. And she got the testing done and expedited. And what came back was there was 12 times the state limit of a chemical called TCE in her water, which is a solvent that was banned in the 1970s. Um, and she's got this stuff in her water to the point where people were smelling it. Where does TCE come from? It's Have we found the smoking gun yet? There's no. a no. There's not like a an airplane hanger over there with a bunch of rusted barrels of this stuff. No, it's it's unfortunate that they have not discovered that. But I'm sure there's plenty of people that are hard at work to figure out who, you know, is the smoking gun on this contamination. But you know, being as it's right next to the airport, and I've heard from several sources that in the past that's just how you washed airplanes is with this TCE. Oh, good. Because okay. it's a solvent. Um, but no, nothing's actually been, I guess, concluded on that yet. But at this point, we're more concerned with the health of the residents that are having this contamination in their well. So I got involved um, probably early December with the homeowner, and she suggested, you know, maybe it's a good idea to get this stuff out of my water. So I put together a solution for her that would not only take out the TCE for her house, but for the entire property so that they're not watering their yard with these contaminants or you know possibly adding to their you know soil or foods that they're eating or any of these types of concerns so she initially invested in the system for herself but then the next question was well what about the neighbors so she went and canvassed the neighborhood knocked on all the neighbors doors and caught everybody home she could and said hey maybe you guys should test your water as well and so as well. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so they did. And um, basically, the county got involved and said, hey, we're going to put up some money here to help you guys do some testing, which I think... I don't How know, much is that testing, by the way? Do you know? If you're testing for the specific contaminant, it's about $50. Okay. If you're testing for a broad range of chemicals and contaminants, you could spend anywhere from 200 to $600. Okay. It just depends on how many things are you looking for. So um, if you're in the city and you're on municipal water, they test for 105 contaminants. That's what's on the EPA California list. But obviously there's other things that could be there that just aren't simply regulated. So the homeowners of this area um, actually got some assistance from the county, which I think is pretty cool because normally if you're a private well owner, you're just on your own. You're on your own. Um, the county jumped in and offered some assistance in testing. So they ended up testing about, let's say about 25 or 30 wells around the airport. 
And the Regional Water Quality Control Board held a meeting um, the end of the end of December, and was basically sharing uh, with all the homeowners what their results were from all this testing. The results were that there was about a dozen homes in and around the airport that were found to have this TCE problem in the water um, above what we'd consider to be safe levels. A dozen? A dozen, yeah. Out of? 25 or 30 that they tested. Wow. So what they ended up suggesting, obviously, was fixing the water on their well so that they could have water that doesn't have this chemical in it. Um, there was the Regional Water Quality Control Board, San Luis uh, Health Department, and then also somebody from the state agency level that oversees the drinking water that you would have in the city answering questions uh, for all the residents there. And the first thing um, that the Slow County Health uh, doctor came out and said was basically trying to explain what the level of concern was and if the chemical contamination was high enough to kill you, you know, what you would see as symptoms that would occur before that. So um, losing consciousness, nausea, you know, equilibrium problems. These are all things that she said nobody had because they weren't that high of concentration. It was lower concentration with the risk of long-term exposure for increasing your risks of cancer. And that's really what, you know, that call it yeah, low level was. And those poor people, they're like shopping at Whole Foods and exercising every day and then coming home and bathing in some detergent that's a cancer-causing agent and drinking it and soaking in it and washing their babies in it. This is the problem. That's pretty wild. Now, the other th interesting thing she said, which I've never heard this or seen this published anywhere, but being she's the doctor that's in charge of health for the county, I'm sure her numbers are accurate. She, you know, was trying to say, don't be so concerned about the TCE levels for, you know, developing cancer immediately. This is a lifetime <laughs> exposure. Immediately. I'm throwing my term in there. That's what she implied, though. And what she was saying was, Living in San Luis County, your chances of developing cancer in your lifetime are one in three. So that's even before exposure to the TCE. So if you get a little bit of TCE exposure on top of our normal um, rates just for living in this county, you know, don't come back and blame it on your water because there's so many other factors involved. Well, I, I've read recently that nationally we're expected to uh, this. America should expect a one in three cancer rate in general. So maybe she just meant to say you're no more at risk to getting cancer than the average American. So that's carpe great. diem. <laughs> exactly. So it, it gives you a lot of things to think about, you know, besides water. Obviously. Yeah. Well, and water has been um, an important topic, I think, as always. But over the last couple of years here, um, of course, the headlines of what's gone on in Flint, um, Michigan, is a big deal. I I drove past Hinkley the other day, and um, we had a, at my house there was a kind of a a little bit of a noticed change in the water. Like I started kind of wondering, is my water taste as as great as I remember it to taste. And cause I just always remember when you put in my system, I said, how will I know when this thing's out of whack? And you're, you're like, Oh, you'll know. So I keep waiting to have a glass of water where I'm like, 
mm, that one just wasn't it. And it still was tasting great, but we had like a lower pressure issue, um, which is all resolved. And so the water tastes great. But I was curious um, a few things about that. I mean, first of all, the systems that you sell are scrubbing out these contaminants are getting lead out of the water or chlorine out of the water all these things that we hear about that sound terrifying to me yes the systems that i put in are designed to remove those contaminants interesting yeah so the problem the problem that we have on well water is that there's no regulation um, on city water there is regulation but the pressure can get really high in a Tascadero where you live, the pressure can get upwards of 120 PSI. The pressure regulators that we have on our home to protect our household plumbing from exploding on us, uh, those typically fail about every other year. In the past, they used to last five or eight years, but you know, as all of the companies that manufactured those got absorbed, the quality went down. So I'm finding pressure regulator issues probably every other year. And the first thing that happens is the bladder tank on the drinking water system, which can handle a maximum of 100 PSI, it's a balloon that just pops when you blow a pressure regulator. So that's what happens, and it's pretty common um, anywhere that you're on city water that has high water pressure. So testing your water pressure is a good idea on a, you know, the manufacturers of these regulators say do it monthly, but what homeowner is gonna go out there and test their water pressure monthly? They just wait till my water system breaks or you know something yeah catastrophic happens before so it turns realize. out that the water regulator that pressure regulator on my house was bad yeah. uh, your guy said it was um i wasn't there and so i was like i asked my wife well did he adjust it where did he test it did he use this bib or that bib and she's like i don't know mm -hmm. so i got i bought one of the pressure testers that went up to 200 psi and figured out where to do it and how to read it. And um, I'm planning on keeping an eye on it myself. Um, but that that high pressure is another interesting thing, though. Um, there's been a fluctuation. Water pressure goes up and down, I noticed, even at my house at different times. Sure. So that's what that pressure regularly helping. So um, are the higher pressures also knocking loose some of the – contaminants in the the water line so like you know what i mean if you're if your regulator breaks and so instead of getting the 75 psi you were hoping for you're now getting 120 um that just sort of scrubbing those pipes of all those contaminants and delivering them right into your house yeah the velocity will definitely go up in the pipes in your house um the pressure outside in the city is always going to be the same it's it's going to fluctuate based on load so when people are taking showers, then obviously you're going to have less water pressure because people are using water. But as soon as everybody starts going to bed, that's when the neighborhood pressure starts to rise. Now, at 2 o'clock in the morning when everybody's sleeping or you know not taking showers, hopefully, um, that's when the pressure is going to be at its highest. And um, that's, of course, when the water softener is going to regenerate. So as soon as that water softener turns on, the valve gets hit with 120 PSI. You know, sometimes it can handle it, sometimes it can't, but um, it's whatever is the weakest link in that chain. old that old rubber uh, washing supply line that's that it. you screwed in twenty years ago and forgot about. Yeah, that's that's the one you want to make sure you've got your homeowner's insurance paid up on because that's going to be your, <laughs> your biggest likely cause of uh, flood damage in your house is due to that washer line. Interesting.
let's do a commercial break here. Um, I, I want to invite you guys. I, I know you're listening. You always are. Eric knows a lot about water and um, would love to answer your questions. Talk a little bit more about um, who needs better water. I think uh, that'll be a great topic. So stick around after this short break for more Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending. I see you at our kids' Little League games, I bump into you at the grocery store, and it's always fun when we pass each other at Farmer's Market. I'm not a national bank or a faceless website. I'm a local lender, accountable, competitive, and ready to help. Call Central Coast Lending today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543 Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018-39608. NMLS number 328-358. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. everybody welcome back such high energy man i feel like we should get up and like jump around thunder well you know whenever you have thunder usually there's rain kind of associated with thunder and lightning and that kind of becomes water and okay there's the hook there got it got it okay um eric you brought in this um well owners checklist and it looks like really exciting radio but um (laughs) Can we go bullet by bullet and just... We should work through this, though. I mean, 
How much of the county is on on private well water? Do you have a, an idea of that? I really don't. Um, some areas obviously have higher levels of well ownership. Uh, Rio Grande has a lot of private wells out there. So does Paso Robles. Tascadero seems to be mostly city water. They go city water way, way, way farther out than I would normally think you'd have city water out. But mm-hmm. um, I don't have an exact number on that. It's a lot, though. And I and I know it definitely depends on the part of the county, but so all right. So anybody that has a well or loves somebody who has a well. <laughs> so really, the uh, the well owners checklist is talking about just testing your water. So that's the number one check that they say is test your water. Uh, there's potential for contaminants that could be from animals, chemicals, household plumbing, and some naturally occurring substances. And then they also say, consider installing a treatment device. So I'll tell you a little story about one of our customers. He was about uh, 80 years old, and he'd been on his well for 50 years, drinking the water every single day. Super healthy guy, super active guy, and then all of a sudden his legs stopped working. And so he went to the doctor, and the doctor said, well, this is classic uh, arsenic poisoning. So you know, hopefully he doesn't first look at his wife, but looks at his testing his water. And they found, sure enough, he had high levels of arsenic in his water. This is a naturally occurring substance that is pretty common in Arroyo Grande. So, <laughs> Okay. Yeah. It just happens to be in the ground, so it's going to get into the water. Um, so ultimately, you know, he installed a reverse osmosis system to take out the arsenic. But, you know, the point is, the arsenic, you can't taste it. You can't smell it you have no idea that it's there unless you actually test for it so there's a local lab in san luis obispo uh, abalone coast analytical and they do all the water testing for uh, cities wastewater they're a state certified lab and they'll do arsenic testing there i believe it's a 20 dollars test so it's something that you know if you're in a Rio grande and you said i just want to test one thing that'd probably be the one thing that i'd recommend getting tested out there um <clears throat> annual well maintenance check so uh, including water quality tests is recommended. I have one customer that uh, lives on a horse ranch and all of a sudden his well came up with E. coli. Oh, so lovely. that's a lovely bacteria. Wait, he had a Chipotle well? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty close, yeah. I got, a, I got sort of an answer for you. Okay. Um, it doesn't say how many wells that are in San Luis Obispo County, but it says here, according to the Tribune, I think, yeah, the Tribune, um, an article that was in it, an estimated 375 wells have been drilled in the North County in the past five years okay. for water. So that's at least new wells being drilled. Mm-hmm. Sure. And anytime they drill a new well, obviously they're testing for a couple of things. They're testing for flow mostly and to make sure that that the well isn't going to contaminate uh, the aquifer. But typically, they're not. I don't think that the well drillers are doing a complete screening unless the homeowner um, opts for that. So anyhow, the drinking water um, taste and odor may change. So these people um, on the horse ranch, they noticed that their water didn't taste right. And they also noticed that they were kind of getting sick, so they opted to get their water tested and they found that it had uh, E. coli in it. And of course, the initial thing that you look for when you have bacteria problems, well, what's the source? 
So somebody, you know, that worked on the horse ranch had been collecting all the horse crap and just piling it up near their wellhead. Perfect. Yeah. So that leads us to uh, one of these other bullet points, which is storing hazardous chemicals, paint, fertilizer, pesticides. I'm going to add horse poop, motor oil, you know, away from your well. You know, you shouldn't really keep any of those kinds of things within 100 feet of your well. Isn't there a lot of stuff that's just kind of common sense, Eric? I mean, like that, obviously. That's why there's a checklist. Common sense doesn't always work. Yeah. Interestingly enough, too, um, wherever your well is, just on this bullet point, my two cents, with your chemicals, paint, fertilizer, pesticides, and motor oil, um, yeah, keep them far away from your well. But that underlying part here is that that's just not supposed to be just being let loose into the dirt anyway. Sure. So <laughs> store it better. And then it doesn't, then if it was stored appropriately, it could be very near your well. Problem is the stuff's stored poorly to begin with, and that's how it's ending up in the ground getting into the drinking water. Absolutely. Okay. So a lot of these are common sense, as you said. Um, but the, the point that I was bringing across was just if you have a well and you haven't had your water tested in the last year, the county recommends getting your well tested annually. So as I was going through um, with these residents in San Luis by the airport, we're installing a carbon filter essentially to remove all these contaminants. So if you think about, you know, a Brita pitcher, it has a carbon filter at the size of a small fist. I'm installing carbon filters, you know, that are, you know, five feet tall and, you know, a foot and a half wide. So it really has a lot of contact time. But the problem with carbon on a well, and this is a problem with reverse osmosis or really any drinking water filter like on a refrigerator, carbon absorbs organic chemicals and that's really what bacteria feed on. So you've got this um, filter that's potentially, you know, the hometown buffet of uh, for bacteria and they're gonna breed in there. So the problem that I found when I was talking to these homeowners about their, their not only their chemical issue, but making sure that the bacteria levels were safe is that they said, oh no, I just got mine tested two months ago. And just to be safe, I retested and I found bacteria. And they had just tested it two months ago. This was after a big rainstorm that we had. Interesting. So uh, as the rainstorms occur, you know, the water does change. So that's something to keep in mind as well. All right, we're getting to the top of the hour break here. Um, I, I think when we get back from the break, we'll talk more with Eric. I'd like to talk just a little bit more about, um, so yeah, we know everybody should get their water tested. Um, and then what to do, what solutions are offered there depending on what you find in your water. Uh, and you might be like me and just decide that water is all too important to make the gamble on. Um, and so you're uh, wanting to hear about options that might just make the water safer in your house. So we'll have a whole other half an hour here with Eric. Another full hour here to go on Mortgage Matters. Stick with us after this short break. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. Raindrops are falling on my head. 
Just like the guy whose feet are too big for his bed Nothing seems to fit Those raindrops are falling on my head They keep falling Such a soothing song so I was just I enjoying just it It's a great scene in Butch song. Cassidy and the Sundance Kid If you haven't seen that movie Oh yeah Yeah all right, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, it's the 10 o'clock hour. We got a, a whole hour to go here. Uh, in the studio with us currently is Eric Frangi. He's a um, water aficionado. I don't know anybody that, that knows more about water, likes water, is more passionate about water than you are, sir. Thanks. I get weird with the water. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so, yeah, I mean... Made a call to action today. I really hope people are listening. This has nothing to do with any profit motive or anything like that. This is just common sense, health and safety. If you have a well, you're recommended to get it tested annually. If you haven't done that, sounds like it's a good idea to do that. When we have these droughts and um, periods where we have right now where um, – you know, you're, you might be just coming, sucking water from a different depth or having your aquifer be recharged by something that doesn't usually provide it water, um, or in some cases contaminants, um, you could just be getting dirtier water right now, um, with the wells being lower and just more concentration of whatever's in there. It's a great idea to get it checked. Um, so suppose that's the, the real call of action for people, um, and so let's just go out on the limb here and say that hypothetically you get your, your well checked and, um, comes back that it's super duper hard. And, um, you know, other than that, you might have some little contamination issues that by the way, won't cause cancer for you until like a lifetime. It's not right away. So have that, enjoy your bath. Um, <laughs> What do people do about that? What are the options that exist for someone? I mean, you, you mentioned um, that you have carbon filters that seem like a, a pretty big, good idea. But uh, talk to us a bit more about the, the whole approach of how we might uh, protect ourselves. So we really look at each individual home differently. So I have you know dozens of pieces of equipment that I recommend depending on the situation. So... Um, for city water, I typically recommend filtering out the chlorine and the chemicals. Most of the water around here, if not all of it, is hard, so I recommend a water softener. A drinking water system, like a reverse osmosis, is a great system that will actually get out 98% um, of the contaminants that we may be concerned about in our drinking water. Additionally, um, there's been a lot of controversy lately over the chloramines that were um, added to Napomo's water by tying into the Santa Maria um, State Water Project. Uh, we mentioned Hinkley driving through there earlier. So Aaron Brockovich has been incredibly uh, vocal about chloramines being added to our water and really called out Napomo CSD back when they added this, I think, in October. And um, so we've been doing a lot of filtration system specifically for chloramines, which is a completely different chemical than chlorine. Yeah. Um, hold that thought. I want to talk more about that. Chlorine is was one of the main things that I was interested in getting out of my family's drinking water. Um, but I want to do, we did, we got a phone call here, so I could do 
a phone call. Um, we have Debbie calling from San Luis Obispo. So let's let's take that call. Good morning, Debbie. Welcome to the show. Good morning, and thank you for addressing the water issues. And I, I agree with you. I'm really interested in the conversation about chloramines versus chlorine. And I have another question, though. I, I am a real estate broker, and I've sold several properties in the Price Canyon Arroyo Grande oil field area. And we always... Um, almost insist that our clients get their wells tested before buying. And we have found arsenic in some cases, and so we're glad that we've done that. But my more, um, my bigger concern right now is the concern of many of the residents there, uh, which is what would they test for if they have concerns that there may be uh, contaminants from oil, either natural or, or industrial? That's a great question. Um, the lab in San Luis Obispo... Um, and that's Abalone? Abalone, yeah. So uh-huh. they, they partner with um, a bigger lab in Fresno that does oil field testing. And so essentially all the contaminants lists that they would have, they would compile a list of things to be concerned with. Um, I, I don't deal enough with oil field contamination to have the exact specific contaminants off the top of my head. Oh, that's helpful to know, though. It's good to know. And do you have any idea of what the cost would be to, to for them to do their own testing? I wrote, Because I don't know the contaminants they're right. testing for, I couldn't say. Sure. But, but yeah, uh, Avila and around those oil fields, we've, we've definitely seen some interesting contaminants that I don't deal with <laughs> anywhere else in the county, that's for sure. Right. Okay. Hmm. Well, thank you. I can, I can call Avalonia and check in with them then. Absolutely. They are, they're a great resource. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks, Debbie. Okay. Uh, okay, so um, chlorine and chloramine. Um, first of all, I guess before you get into that and kind of talk about why that's being added to the water, um, chlorine at my house was if I turned on my bathroom sink, I could smell it. And so I did a little bit of research. Chlorine doesn't seem like that great of a chemical to be ingesting um, and bathing in and, and all these different things. I, and and here was here was the big tipping point for me because I'm not a, I'm not a scare guy, right? Yeah I don't I, you're not gonna freak me out too much. Um, you know, I vaccinated my kids. We'll, we'll eat you know antibiotic raised beef from time to time. Um, you know, we, we'd like to use a lot of good common sense, uh, on, on a lot of these issues. I look up chlorine and here's the, here's the burning question. You know, chlorine's measured at like parts per million in the water and it gets added at some point and it needs to, you know, basically be at an acceptable level when it hits the end of the line. So after it's like, diluted, leaked, leached out, gone to the first residences and made lefts and rights down all these extra pipes. That last measurement on the on the line there has to have enough in it. So it's one of those things where, you know, as you could imagine, the people that are at the front of the line are just getting OD'd like crazy on chlorine. And so, you know, I can just ask you that. Where are you on the line? You know, you're on the public. Are you the house that's getting three, four, five times what the the minimum is? Are you the end of the line that's getting the healthy uh, minimum? Uh, I don't know. I I had no idea where I was, but I could smell a chlorine odor when I turned on my bathroom sink. And so 
that was a thing for me. I assume I was pretty close to where they were dumping it in, and we probably had a pretty high reading. Um, and so that was a compelling reason for me to, to visit the idea of a whole house water filter. Um, your thoughts about chlorine first, and then tell us about the difference between chlorine and chloramine and why we should care. Yeah, so chlorine is absolutely um, effective at killing bacteria. You know, we don't want our kids dying from exposure to pathogens in our water, but at the same time, we don't necessarily need to be bathing in it and we don't want to be drinking it. So the city, you know, the infrastructure of the U.S. has been chlorinating the water since, you know, between World War One and World War Two, And it works really well, but unfortunately there's, there's chemical side effects to that process that are regulated by the EPA. So the EPA um, regulates what they call trihalomethanes. It's a group of seven, you know, quote unquote, you know, carcinogenic contaminants that are only found in the water once it's been chlorinated. And those are, uh, have been regulated since the 1970s. So chlorine by itself is an irritant. We know this from the swimming pool. It makes our skin dry, makes your you know, hair turn green if you're blonde. It's just not a nice chemical to be exposed to. And when we get out of the pool, we're supposed to rinse it off of us. Yet if we're bathing in this stuff every single day, it leads to perpetual dry skin and for some people, itchy skin. But chlorine in itself is just simply an irritant that as you notice, you know, it, ha it has a pretty strong smell. But chlorine off gases relatively quickly. If you let it sit out overnight, it'll dissipate in the air within 24 hours. If you boil the water, it'll dissipate, you know, in seconds. So that implies that when we're in the shower and we're breathing in all the steam, we're also potentially breathing in some chlorine. So those are the concerns about chlorine of why we wouldn't want to be bathing in it and drinking it. But really, you know, there's a couple issues when we talk about water being delivered to the entire state. And that's, that's when it switched to uh, chloramines is when the state water aqueduct found that Obviously, if you have a swimming pool the length of the state, you can't use free chlorine because it dissipates too quickly into the air. So that's where they found that by adding ammonia to the water, it would bond with the chlorine. Um, the residual levels are long-lasting. So if you take water with chloramines in it, you'd have to boil it for 16 hours for it to actually remove the chloramines compared to chlorine, which is incredibly volatile because the chloramines were um, added on the list of acceptable contaminants in the 1920s, the state and the federal government still allow that to be an acceptable form of disinfection. But because we didn't have 70 years of, let's say, research and exposure to chloramines, we don't have any history of the byproducts or the problems that those byproducts can cause like we have with chlorine. So what we had is a perfectly regulated uh, contaminant, we switched it to a different chemical, and the regulations are not in place to say what's a healthy level of chemical byproducts, let alone what are the entire list of chemical byproducts from chloramines. And that's really what, you know, Aaron Brockovich is putting out there is you can't change the chemistry of the water and use, you know, the rule book from a different chemical. Does that make sense? Right. So that's really the big concern is just we're playing guinea pig here with uh, the chemical reactions from the chloramines. Flint, Michigan, you know, before that, it was Washington, D.C. This isn't the first, you know, generation of children that have been exposed to dangerous levels of lead in the United States. Washington, D.C. 
back in around 2000, they did the same thing. They switched to chloramines. They invested so much in this infrastructure that when you know they came back with these lead levels being over the top, they they covered it up. And you know for about two years, people were exposed to high levels of lead. You know, fast forward 15 years, and it happens again. But the the regulation that's in place is specifically for chlorine, and that's and that's the downfall. So it's good to get that chlorine, chloramine. It's good to have it in the water to prevent pathogens. But right before you use it as the end user, it's a good idea to, to scrub it out. Absolutely. And that's what we always recommend. And that's really what um, you know makes our company different than other water companies. Is everybody talks about the hard water. And if you've got shower doors, you know the water sucks around here as far as the hardness is concerned. But a water softener doesn't address any chemical issues in the water. And that, I think, is the big uh, issue that we're going to be seeing moving forward is what are the chemical impacts you know, to us from these uh, additions to our water that we really don't know that much about. So for people that have been in uh, five cities, it started in Arroyo Grande when they added state water. Now all of five cities has chloramines in their water in addition to chlorine so they're really getting a combination of oh good so the chloramines come from the state water and uh, they're still in there because they're not real volatile so they just stay in there and then they rechlorinate the water so that it can make it through the leaky distribution system without all the you know bacteria levels going up or the slime or the sludge and if they didn't do that I think it's pretty smart they do that if they didn't do that the chloramine levels alone by themselves are I think a thousand times less effective at killing bacteria than free chlorine is. So if they didn't do that, you'd end up with algae blooms and sludge and everything else coming out of our, our taps, which we don't want either. That so, doesn't feel that doesn't feel or sound very American to me. <laughs> Turn on your tap and have like some slime sludge come out. <clears throat> yeah. In some cities they they do this that chloraminate the water. They do this regularly where they'll have algae blooms um, shooting up inside the water supply. So they'll do what they call a burn, which means they inject high levels of chlorine into the water. They drop that water you know, out of the, the fire hydrant into the street to basically flush that high level of chlorine. Because they're, they're trying to disinfect these lines because it's not being properly disinfected throughout the distribution system. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how often that happens around here, but you know, it's just it's a national issue that we're just seeing little pieces of here on the central coast. Uh, hexavalent chromium, same thing that you know came up in Hinkley, that came up in Los Osos, what I think, not even four months ago. They sent a letter to the residents of the Los Osos CSD saying, "Hey, um, there was levels of chromium six that exceeded the maximum contaminant level for." you know, a short period of time. And we sent out this letter to let everybody know, but your water is safe now. <laughs> That's a funny letter, isn't it? It's a, <laughs> it, it was bad, but we're letting you know it's good now. And well, and just, just for <laughs> disclosure's sake, we poisoned you for a minute there and it looks like it's all good now, but just know that. Well, Morro Bay recently had an issue with a sulfuric kind of smell. I believe it was in the last few months. Um, the water was just, smelling a little more ripe than it used to did they send you a letter to tell you it 
the water smelled? I didn't get a letter. No, he just I, noticed it. I think um, we, there was either a, an article in the newspaper, or there was some kind of like Facebook or e- email type of somehow it word got around town that there was some some smelly water. We going stopped around. off in Morro Bay um, for lunch one time a few months back and got served up some pretty funky smelling water. <laughs> and I assumed it was because we were in a restaurant that used to be a gas station, but you know. Sounds like maybe it was a little more widespread than that. Yeah, so the the algae that we're talking about with the chloramines, that typically gives it a little bit of an earthy taste and smell. And if you smell the water and it smells like dirt, it usually means you've got uh, chloramines in your water is what I've been noticing. Oh, that's not just organic water? It's not like the earthiness of the water? <laughs> it's a little bit too much <laughs> organics, yeah. <laughs> Should we be concerned, those of us that have the premium filtered water coming into our home, be concerned that we're stripping out good minerals and such that we might need or want? Do you, you guys sell like a, a booster pack that I could like, you know, mix a spoonful of this into my water and uh, get some of my vitamins back? I do have that. You do? Okay. Of course I do. You, I was just kidding, but of course seems like it makes sense. Yeah, so uh, anytime that you do reverse osmosis, it's taking everything out of the water, good and bad. It's just it's this really bad bouncer that doesn't care. It doesn't let anybody through. But there's people that are concerned about, you know, the healthy minerals in their water. Um, my personal preference is to get my healthy minerals from the food that I'm eating, not necessarily the water that I'm drinking. But for people that have convinced themselves that they need to have minerals in their water, I do a uh, alkaline alkalizing mineral filter that goes after the reverse osmosis membrane to remineralize the water with, you know, the healthy minerals that the reverse osmosis is uh, lacking at that point. The drawback is it makes the water taste different, and if you don't like mineral water, then you're probably not going to like that filter. I like my water pure and crisp. I like it to taste like nothing but water. But if you add some minerals to it, it does change the flavor of the water as well. And I would along those lines most people that have those systems have them because they don't like the taste of the water so right so you're putting back in kind of maybe what be maybe a foul taste to some people right yeah it's kind of could that be possible absolutely yeah so i do a lot of uh extensive water testing on my own family uh while I'm talking about that, I want to say hi to my wife and kids, Erica, Violet, and Vivian. Hello. Um, I do some extensive testing for my family, and we did an alkaline test, and I thought the water tasted okay. My wife's comment was it makes her feel like when she drinks it, she's more dehydrated than before she drank the water. <laughs> so she opted to have the alkaline filter removed from our drinking water system, and uh I thought it tasted all right when it was cold, but I definitely didn't like the taste as much when the water was at room temperature, which is what I normally drink. Sounds like you added a Coors Light filter. <laughs> it had a, it had about a handful of Rocky Mountains inside that filter. I taste, we are on to something right tastes here. Tastes good when it's cold <laughs> and terrible when it warms up. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, well... I want to rave a little bit about mine. Um, I we love the quality of water in my house, and and I'm will shamelessly say that I bought my Hague system from you guys, and um, I love it. I, this is a great decision. Uh, we had problems. I mean, we had like 
how I'd have to I'd have to ask my wife and I'm a known exaggerator so I'll just say that like we had several coffee makers that had much shorter life expectancy than I thought um, due to just things getting clogged up from really hard water um, toilet like you could tell in the toilets and the shower that water was just hard so we were cleaning things like crazy and then that led us to buy um, Colligan soft water deals but the problem was is that they they'd switch out the tanks periodically and you'd you'd be able to tell like the next day after you got a new tank was like wow this is great we didn't even know that the water was like already hard again um and so i was paying like 88 dollars a month or something for soft water swap out tanks and ro system and so i got Hague, which and initially you guys, I mean, even financed for me and, um, I, I didn't keep it for the whole term. I paid it off much quicker, but, um, the idea was that it wasn't much more than what I was paying to rent a system that I would never own. Um, and now it's been three years since I paid off the system that I do own and it's all awesome and functioning and we love it. So it was a really positive thing for me. We've got a caller waiting on the line. We've got Susie from Grover Beach. Good morning, Susie. Hi. Yeah, I've got a, a GAC system in my house. It's a big one. I got it from, um, God, what was it? Water Source. <laughs> okay. How do or, you like it? Or, or Well, you know what? <laughs> When I originally got it, they said, okay, it would take care of all the hard water and blah, blah, blah. Um, but it didn't. It did help a little bit, but it didn't because our uh, water down here is just, just so hard. So I ended up putting in a uh, water softener which the water goes through my GA system and then goes through the water softener. But it makes the water palatable, the GA system. Awesome. To where you can drink it out of the tap. Um, but I was wondering, with all the stuff you were talking about, um, is that the way to go well that's a great step for filtering the water for your house um, if somebody has a filter I usually recommend adding a softener if somebody has a softener I usually recommend adding a filter um, I don't necessarily agree with them that the water is drinkable from every faucet in the house I know that a lot of companies like to say that but legally your water was safe to drink from every tap in the house before they installed any equipment so it makes it a little bit better tasting, but it's not necessarily removing any contaminants like arsenic um, that we have present in uh, the Five Cities area. Oh, okay. So the GAC isn't that efficient on removing that stuff. It's efficient at removing organic-based chemicals, but um, it doesn't remove any dissolved solids. So if you have arsenic or lead or nitrates in your water, it's not effective at removing any of those contaminants. Oh, okay. I am on city water. Yeah. So if you get your consumer confidence report out, 
they will show you that on average you get five or sorry four parts per billion of arsenic in your water every single day um, from the city water there the maximum contaminant level is not uh, 10 parts per billion you've got about four to five but the question becomes you know how much arsenic do you really want in your water <laughs> how much arsenic do you want in your diet i'll take half i'll take half of what do you think i should should stop and worry at <laughs> oh that's funny but now does this arsenic build up in your body it's a good question i don't over know. i mean over time I, I yeah, over time i don't know that it's a, it builds up um, as we know lead does but it is a it is a concern that um that i would i would look at seriously and the reverse osmosis system would um close out the deal that you already have to allow you to say with full confidence you're not drinking any arsenic in in your in your water yeah but then again the reverse osmosis strips out all uh, um minerals you get in your normal water but your water softener already stripped out all the minerals that you'd want to be drinking. So at this point... Uh, here we go. Yeah, uh, okay, I understand. But for but, the, but for the uh, listeners to clarify... You know, and then the, the GAC, it's, it looks like a big bottle of oxygen. Oh. And then it back flushes. It's, it's not a little unit. And, um, uh, but it... It does help a little bit with the mineral deposits, but the main thing is it makes the water palatable, and I can drink it, and uh, I could get an RO system, but I was, at the time, this has been about 10 years ago, I was thinking something different. Sure. And unfortunately, the filter that you have doesn't last 10 years. So I hope that you've had your water retested and um, determined if the filter is working well or not. Um, 10 years ago, Grover Beach wasn't on chloramines. Today it is. Uh, the filter that you have in there, if I were you know, to guess, it's granular activated carbon, as you say. Granular activated carbon really isn't effective at removing chloramines at all. So um, you may want to get your water tested for that reason and make sure that it's doing what you hope that it is. Okay, now if I want to get it tested, where do I take it to get it tested? There's a um, certified California lab in San Luis Obispo called Abalone Coast Analytical, and I would test the water. I'd recommend getting the water tested for chloramines specifically. It's a $20 test. Um, if you want to do it before and after test, that'd be super, super cool. Um, and then you'll know exactly what the levels coming in and going out of your filter are. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I was kind of disappointed in it when I got it because, you know, they hype it up and they say, oh, it'll take care of this and this and this. And it probably would in an area that doesn't have the hard water that we have. So I know exactly which company you're talking about. If we described your, your system, it's probably got a really shiny sleeve on it that looks fancy, right? Oh, yeah. And yeah. they have lots of uh, celebrity testimonials that endorse their product. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We, so I agree that they do way <laughs> overhype their product. And the system, you know, honestly, it's just a carbon filter. I, don't, I wouldn't recommend that to remove even a little bit of 
mineral deposits from your water, but it's fairly effective as a uh, as a chlorine filter. But it is, as you said, it is overhyped. Hey, Susie, thank you very much for your phone call today. I appreciate you participating. Um, Eric, when I started with you, it was a you know a simple phone call thing where you came out and you did some stuff with my water. I think it was part of the whole, you know, kind of sales pitch, point out the deficiencies, talk about what we'd gain, go through that whole thing. So um, I'm sure there's some people that are listening today that are going, okay, you know, I'll bite. What's the next step? You know, what, what, what would the, you already said that you have dozens of applications and they're uniquely tailored for a person or a household's use. So um, if somebody's interested in that, uh, what are the next steps and how do they get a hold of you? Yeah, so we offer a free in-home estimate where we actually come out and test your water at your kitchen sink. There's some contaminants that clearly I can't test for, like I can't test for arsenic at your sink, I can't test for bacteria, but uh, chlorine I can test for, hardness I can test for, talking about dissolved solids. And really what we do is we give it a presentation that shows you with a miniature unit, how your water is now and how your water would be after it runs through our unit. You get to wash your hands, feel the difference, smell the difference, taste the difference. And then we walk your property and look at how's your irrigation set up? How, you know, where does the water come in? How would this thing get plumbed in? And we look at all those particular details. Then we come up with a solution that would make sense for you. And then um, obviously you take into consideration your budget and we put together a package that um, can even be affordable on a monthly basis um, with some great financing that's available today. The, uh, the best way to get a hold of us is just to give us a call. Uh, our toll-free number is 800-549-0038. We also have a website, slowater.com, like San Luis Obispo Water. I hope that the uh, testimonials I gave you today are, are well-received because um, – I'm not the kind of guy that would go and and put my name behind something that I don't believe in. Um, we're we're pumped both with the you know like I bummer for Susie. I have no idea how much she paid for her thing years ago. Um, but I was I was like I felt like I took a small leap of faith when I bought my water system. Like it made sense to me. I did some research. I thought it was important mainly for my kids. Um, you know, I, I, and I kind of was like, all right, I'll, I'll give this a whack. And, um, of course when you spend that money, you kind of don't know, did, did I just, did I just fall victim to like a a really well-tuned sales pitch and, you know, could I have gotten this for the 500 buck thing down at home Depot or something? Right. And the, the reality is, is that I, I never once, even to this day, I never once had ever the sensation that I made a bad decision. Um, I, I'm perfectly comfortable with the price point. The quality of water uh, at my house is unreal. And, um, and probably most importantly, uh, it's one of those things like, you know, it's kind of like when I went car seat shopping for my brand new baby. Um, yeah, you can buy this like, $29 car seat and it, it was tested in the minimum tests the 
you know, slam it from the front or the back and the kid's like uh, meeting the standard. Or you can buy the, you know, $300 car seat that's voluntarily side impact tested and they do all this additional stuff and you could tell by the the weight and strength of the unit that it's just better. I bought those for my babies because I felt like that was, you know, if anything ever happened, I would I would feel terrible about myself that I'd cut that corner or didn't see the significance in that expense. And so that was that was how I chalked up the water thing too. And um, you know, especially like I said, mine mine's been paid for for years now. Um, and so it's actually a budget positive thing for me as I no longer am paying for Culligan rental fees and that kind of thing. Um, like I said, I just, I can't say enough good things about mine. Um, I'm pumped about it. And when I move, I'm, when I sell my house, I'm either taking it with me or I'll be buying another one. There's no question about that. So, uh, um, you know, like I said, I, I hope that testimonial is well received and those feelings that Susie had of, kind of being sold a bill of goods that didn't seem to um, measure up to expectations as a totally opposite experience of what I've had. Yeah, there's obviously there's a lot of different companies out there and everybody has, you know, something that they're recommending. And obviously the systems that I recommend are based on the outcome that you're going to get. I don't overhype anything. You know, if anything, I, I try to underhype things so that people are super excited about the results that they get. Um, it's, it's science. It's not magic. It's, it's just science. So one, one interesting thing, um, my uncle, I, I had to give him a ride home from the hospital last week and, and, you know, I get to his house and I said, you know, can I go shopping for you? What can I do? And he's like, I need, I need some water. And he points over at these empty five gallon jugs. And this is the first time in my life I'm, <laughs> I'm going to a vending machine to buy water. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is going to be quite an experience for the water snob. So, you know, I, I load up these five gallon bottles in the trunk of my water snob mobile and I race down to the, to the vending machine, pull out my dollars and start, you know, thinking immediately my first question is, well, are these bottles even clean? I guess they're clean, but I'll just stick some water and I'm out of this machine. And then I put a dollar in and the water comes out and I'm like, you know what? My feet are really dirty right now. If I just stuck my foot in there, I could probably get my foot washed pretty inexpensively. And then the next thought is, if I was a homeless person, I'd be showering these things like every day. The water coming out of them is super clean. This is where I would be every single morning, you know, getting getting myself clean before my uh, panhandling. So, worst worst case scenario, you know, you got to buy some water. It's a it's a short term, it's a short term thing that I wouldn't recommend anybody do over their lifetime. It's you know we've got the technology to have clean water in our home. There's no reason. Know, for us to be having to stand out in front of a supermarket getting water out of out of a vending machine at this time not yet anyway we might arrive back at that situation um some years down the road i mean i'm picturing like some kind of zombie apocalypse where you can't just uh enjoy that old-fashioned liberty of turning that little knob in your kitchen and getting any water at all yeah if if the the vending machine was closer. I put a, I would have just put the five gallon bucket on top of my head and walked down to the vending machine and walked back with it on my head. We have another caller, I assume, probably for you, Eric. Uh, this is Rick calling from San Luis Obispo. Morning, Hi. Rick. Uh, <clears throat> I wanted to find out how much that uh, the filter that you got cost. Not not the reverse osmosis and the water softening, but just the filter. 
And and does that filter remove uh, any bad stuff that might be in the water here in San Luis? Well, it really depends. So if you're talking about a filter like for the TCE that I did? I don't know what TCE is. Um, are you talking about the filter for filtering out chlorine for the whole house? Is that what you're... Yeah, yeah. Okay. So a whole house chlorine filter can range anywhere from, let's say, $250 for a filter that you'd have to change every other month mm. to several thousand dollars for filters that you wouldn't have to change for 10 years. Mm. Mm. Does that help? And does that remove any of the bad stuff that's, or all the bad stuff that's in the San Luis water? So if we're talking uh, disinfection byproducts, then it's really a function of how big is that filter. So chlorine is relatively quick to remove. When we talk about the bad things, I'm going to assume we're talking about the disinfection byproducts that were um, exceeding the levels in uh, San Luis Obispo over the summer. Then, yes, the bigger carbon filter will get those out, whereas the small one um, will not be able to get those disinfection byproducts filtered out. And, and you said, uh, like, how many, you said in the thousands, how many thousands of dollars? Uh, I would say two to three, depending on how big of a filter that you wanted. Okay. Does that help? Yeah. And can you tell me, are, are those uh, uh, some of those weird things that you mentioned that were in water? Uh, that was uh, like state water. Are those present in San Luis water? No, San Luis Obispo doesn't hook up to state water, so you're you're strictly using uh, chlorine there. Okay. Good enough. Great. Thank you. Good Thank questions. You. All right. Yeah, it's time for the uh, final commercial break here of the show. So we'll uh, say goodbye to our water snob guest, Eric. Thanks a lot for coming in today. Uh, appreciate it definitely interesting conversation um one of the guys at work i said i was going to have you on this weekend and one of the guys at work said what are you going to do what's a water guy going to talk about on a mortgage show i said well our show is geared at being a service towards homeowners and um that's what we're just addressing homeowners that i think one of the most basic needs and um it's something i think that people take for granted and i don't really i think at least give it the significance that it deserves. So uh, that's what we're doing here. Thanks for coming in to be a part of that. Really appreciate it. And uh, one more time, if anybody wants to get a hold of you, uh, how can they reach you? Uh, yeah, our phone number is 800-549-0038. And our website is www.slowater.com, like San Luis Obispo water.com. Thank you guys for having me on. It's always great to see you. You know, there's a show spot um, come available right after Mortgage Matters here. You could have uh, like your half hour of like your water snob radio. That sounds really cool. Then you too, <laughs> you too can work uh, every Saturday for years on end. Oh my gosh. I'd have my kids on the show. There you go. I mean, the kids, I would say kids are probably more in tune to the water concerns than the parents are. I've got my kids, you know, they'll taste water and I'll see them spit it out. And it just makes me so proud. <laughs> well, if you're, you're if, raising little water snobs too. I'd Absolutely. have to say if your, kid, if your kids are more in tune than you, they're really, really, really in tune. With All right. Well, <laughs> hey, you didn't disappoint. I introduced Eric by saying it's a dude that cares more about water than anyone I know. And I, and I know he, 
hit that mark. So appreciate it. Um, all right, time for commercial break here, the final one of the hour. When we get back, we got another 15 minutes to get through a lot of news articles that Dan's got in front of him. So we'll do our best to hack through it and be back in a few minutes with more Mortgage Matters. To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending. Give yourself the best possible chance to buy your dream home with our 21-day close. We get you fully pre-approved before you find your house so you can write a shorter, easier offer and beat out the competition. It's time for you to be the offer that gets accepted. Call Central Coast Lending today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543 Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018-39608. NMLS number 328-358. You're tuned into Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, welcome back. Um, all right, we got rid of Eric. So uh, now it's just back to me and you, Dan. All right. And uh, you do, you still have quite a few articles clipped over there. I When I was going through my notes yesterday, you know, sometimes there's days where you put together your notes and there's so many. You're like, oh, it's just going to be easy. And then there's days where you put it together and there um, isn't enough. And you're like, ooh, we're going to have to stretch. I had so much today, and I, um, of course, that always lines up on the day when you end up with a guest in the studio too. So, um, yeah, what do you, uh, what do you got? Well, I think we've we've touched on a lot of the economic, um, you know, numbers for the week and and 
you know, we touched on jobs, we touched on GDP, we touched on Beige Book a little bit. Everything seems to be moderate to improving as far as our economy goes. Um, what we haven't really talked about is the housing data that came out this week. And there were a few, a few figures that came out. We saw some construction spending. We saw some pending home sales, some new home sales. Um, and all of those numbers, as I look across the landscape, are actually kind of down a little bit. Um, well, the headlines spin them that way, too. Like, for example, they're up year over year but at a lower pace than they were last month or the month before right. so it's technically still increasing it's just increasing at a more moderate pace um and that that i don't worry about as much and in, in fact one could argue that that's a good thing you know for example uh case and schiller home price index came out this last week 5.7 um average percent increase in property values nationally that's year over year this one has a a couple month lag on it so these are december numbers that we're seeing now uh normal appreciation is supposed to be between three and five percent so whenever you're ahead of that pace you're kind of overheating a little bit um but look if the case and schiller home price index comes out next month to show that january was 5.6 they'll say that the home prices are falling. And it's like, no, it's not. It's still up 5.6%. It's just that the month prior was 5.7. So the headlines make you believe that these numbers are contracting or negative, whereas the no, the growth is just becoming more moderate, the which is probably of appreciation yeah, is, slowing. is a good thing. But it's still appreciating. It's not at a more than normal rate. Right. Right? Yeah, that's important. And it's it's especially important in this industry because we see it every year. There is seasonality to home buying. There's seasonality to this industry in general. So comparing last month to this month isn't a fair comparison. What you need to compare is... Uh, you know, this month to this same month last year or this quarter to the same quarter last year, you compare winter over winter or January over January, and that gives you a better idea of how the market is truly going. And and so we are seeing still 6% appreciation. We saw it both in the S&P number as well as the FHFA number, which they both kind of take in some different data points to come out with their appreciation figures, but they're both very much in line um, and they're both better than what we would consider normal healthy appreciation so that is good um, what was a little surprising was we saw some pending home sales slowing down in January um, a little bit you know you usually come out of the holiday season and start to pick up this the sales activity a little bit usually it's later in the spring so seeing January down doesn't concern me too much We'll see what February and March have have in store for us. As well, and if that metric up. is a measurement of homes that are contracted to sell but not yet closed, when that volume is down, does it mean that the listings are sitting stagnant without going from listed to pending? Or does it mean that the, uh, the pending the pending numbers are less because there's less houses being sold? And I think, and is it a combination of both? I, I think, think really what it's doing is measuring both is that um, 
Ideally, though, or I would say if you really pinned it down, the biggest problem is is that there's still a lower volume of listings that are coming on each year. That continues to be compounded. Um, there's not enough things uh, incenting people to sell and move. You can't have confidence in finding a replacement home. You're going to get a new tax base. You know, you're you're going to end up with a higher interest rate. There's all these reasons that people are staying put. So that's going to drive pending home sales numbers down until people have that confidence and ability to transact and move around within their own community. Agreed. Yeah, I think that inventories are definitely, they remain probably the biggest issue in housing is is the supply issue. There's just not a lot. We're starting to see newer projects come on and be built, and, and that's great. That's helping the situation, but we have a lot of catch-up to do from eight years or so of, of below need, you know, of building below what we need to build to yep. keep up. So there's, there's some catch-up still to do, and that... That inventory issues, what's contributing to the continued above average appreciation. It's contributing to the below expectation sales numbers. There's just not as much transacting because there's not enough out there. Right. You know, I, well, I think if, if there if the supply weren't so short, we'd see more units being sold. There there's demand for sure. And if you look here locally, um, the and this is I mean this is the case everywhere, but new homes are that's what's the that's what's new in the market, right? This is what's changing the equation. Um, have you seen a new home tracked where they're having trouble gaining interest or selling? Not at all. They're selling so quickly. They're selling before they're done. Yeah. Um, and the interest list. Several of the projects around town set an interest list. Like, uh, hey, this is what it looks like. This is where it's going. This is the the price range and potential upgrades throw your name on this list if you're interested in in getting into a contract when they're ready to be contracted um, those interest lists are huge so i really think you know i don't know where the break-even point is for slow county but i think if somebody broke ground and added four thousand units somewhere in here i'm not sure that even something of that scale is going to have a, a big enough impact on who's who's in the market and wanting to buy i mean it, and if you if you disagree with that i hear you but um come talk to a loan officer where we've got literally dozens and each loan officer has a a unique to me client and i have dozens of them that are pre-qualified and on the hunt for a home in slow county and in sometimes it's taking a year for them to find an acceptable home. And it's always fascinating to me too, over these last few years, from the time that I first pre-qualify them and then they get out and they start hunting. And when they come back, um, they're buying more expensive homes than they first thought they would. Most people qualify for more home than they're willing to buy, right? They're like, Okay, you you're qualified for a mortgage payment up to three grand a month, and the people are like, "Whoa, there's no way I'm going to pay more than twenty four hundred. That's my number. All right, go find it." They come back, and all of a sudden they come back, and they're like, "Oh, we found this house, and it's going to be twenty six hundred bucks. We had to compromise, but okay." Everybody seems to be buying a you know something more expensive, and it takes time. In a lot of cases, some of these people are looking actively looking, placing offers, and trying to get into homes for 
six or nine months would, you know, I would suggest is probably the norm. So um, what do you make of that? How are you going to change that? How many loan officers are there in this county? And do we all have 30 pre-qualified people waiting for a home? So if there's, I don't know, 500 loan officers, I don't know. We've got lists pent up of thousands of people that want to buy homes oh, here. Yeah. So we get all excited when a new development breaks ground and slow and is adding 35 homes or something. <laughs> but it's not its not enough to solve the problem of the pent up demand. Yeah. It's its a pretty incredible demand. I mean, we're we're... We've got people who are pre-qualified, ready to buy today. We've got people who are just starting to get their arms around what buying a home's all about, preparing for a purchase in a year from now. Yep. So there's, there's, yeah, it's a line ready to buy some homes. And a lot of the people too that we're seeing come back um, this week. I got, I mean, I, I filled these questions from our loan officers, but so many people hitting the seven-year mark on their short sale or foreclosure right now. Um, kind of impressive. The people from, you know, February of 2009 are showing up. They're seven years after their foreclosure. And so they're reemerging. They've got good credit again. They've got seven yeah. years of reestablished credit. And so those people are coming back now too. So not only the, you know, the youngsters that came into homeowner age, but you know, there's a lot of demand. Very quickly. I just wanted to share some of the local, um, sales and price data that came out for January. For San Luis Obispo County, we saw sales, total sales in the county up 2% year over year in January. And we saw home prices up over 10% year over year in January. January 2015, the median price in San Luis Obispo County was 450000 In January 2016, median price in the county, 497 so wow. big time appreciation or, or at least median price uh, yeah, increase. I, it's outpacing the national level Definitely. right now. And, uh, and probably because of the lack of building and ability to grow, um, probably no end in sight to that. So uh, if you're interested in getting pre-approved for a home loan and want to get some counsel, um, if you want to buy one now or you want to buy one in a year or two, you know, I always tell people I, I'm okay with you being on a two-year plan because I'm going to be here in two years. So uh, and it's important to cultivate a client for tomorrow too. So if you want to get on that plan, you want some credit help, you want some budget help, you want to figure out what your savings goals need to be, all that kind of stuff, we'd love to help you with that. Um, one phone number rings all of our offices. It's 543-LOAN, which is 543-5626. You can find us on the web at centralcoastlending.com. There's a lot of resources on there. Uh, help get you on your on your way, on your path. Uh, let, us, let us be your uh, helper in that. Guys, be safe this week in this wet weather. We'll be back next week with another episode of Mortgage Matters. Thanks so much for being with us today.